2: Well, we're going to start out this week with the latest unemployment numbers for the state of Alabama. That rate is now at 2.6% for the month of August, which compared to this time last year, now shows a 0.7% drop. The 2.6% translates as almost 59,000 people who are unemployed but looking for a job within the state's workforce that is different from those who are of a working age and eligible to join the workforce, but for whatever reason, do not have a job and they're not looking for one. This week, 1819 News will feature Blunt County Sheriff Mark Moon and his work in law enforcement here in the state. Moon spoke with Erica Thomas saying it's all about faith, family and freedom. Moon is a sheriff to a county with a population of 58,000 people. It's northeast of Birmingham and southwest of Gundersville. Moon comes to this position with a military background and still serves in the Alabama National Guard, and Moon has also served in ministry for 24 years. Two years ago, Moon was an Alabama sheriff who refused to enforce the non-essential and church shutdown orders that were issued by Governor Ivy during the COVID-19 virus outbreak. Moon said he got a lot of support and positive feedback for saying that he would not send his deputies out to close businesses and force people to put a mask on. Moon also addresses constitutional carry and crime. You can read more of that article at 1819news.com. A shooting death in Louisiana is that of an Alabama man. 22-year-old Zachary Stewart was killed by a co-worker at a Hyundai car dealership in the town of Slidell. 23-year-old Brian Taylor is now the one facing manslaughter charges in Stewart's death. Authorities say that Stewart and Taylor had been at odds with each other for over a week. Then an argument broke out this past Saturday, and that's when Taylor pulled a gun and shot Stewart. This recent shooting is the first homicide for the city of Slidell in 2022. Stewart is originally from Coleman, Alabama, and recently moved to Louisiana for the job. A driver at the Talladega Short Track had to be life-flighted to UAB in Birmingham after an accident. The incident happened Sunday morning. The driver is identified as Jeff Dean. Dean was trapped in the vehicle and had to be extricated from the overturned car. Hospital officials have since made an update on Dean's condition saying that he has been able to speak to family members but will still remain in the hospital for more testing and treatment. Houston County is going to have a huge economic windfall as two industrial facilities are going to be built in Dothan. SmartLam North America and Peak Renewables will invest 92 million dollars combined. In these new facilities, and that will bring about 70 jobs to the area, smartlam manufactures large glue lamb beams and columns for the timber market and is already located in Dothan but will be expanding, and Peak Renewables produces wood products. This weekend marks the 100th day that two Alabama men have been held captive by Russian military in the country of Ukraine, Andy Hun and Alex Druki are both former military veterans who went over to join Ukrainian forces against Russia. They were captured this past June. Hun has a fiancé who has not heard from him since that month. Druki, on the other hand, has been allowed to send some messages to his mother. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, a deal to avoid a railroad workers' strike appears to now be falling apart from this weekend. A spokesman for the Railroad Workers' United made a statement to The Hill after a tentative deal was reached before the Friday deadline. Ron Kamikow says there's still a lot of anger, confusion, and hostility over this new agreement. Other criticisms include vagueness over sick leave and voluntary days off. A vote is scheduled for this coming Thursday, in which the members of the 12 unions involved in the deal can accept or reject the proposal. If the deal is rejected, almost 125,000 railroad workers could go on strike, which will affect about a third Of all U.S. freight. The Attorney General for Massachusetts and the Mayor of New York City are now mulling over potential legal action for having buses of illegal aliens arrive at their doorsteps from the states of Texas and Florida. Attorneys within the group called Lawyers for Civil Rights are now saying that illegal aliens were coerced and given false promises in order to get on the buses and head towards official sanctuary states or cities. Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis maintain that their states are not sanctuary states, and so they're doing these migrants a favor by sending them to places who are more sympathetic to border crossers. Lawyers for Civil Rights called the action a political stunt based on race and sent letters to the Massachusetts U.S. Attorney and Attorney General calling for legal action against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Florida Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunes went on Fox News over the weekend to talk about these buses, She says, first of all, the illegal aliens are given an option on whether they get on those buses or not. And she also says that the governor has no plans to stop sending them since Florida now identifies as a border state with public safety concerns if those illegal migrants are left within their borders.
1: Uh, We received $12 million, and uh, he made it very clear that he was going to spend every penny of those $12 million to protect Floridians because what we're seeing is that fentanyl overdoses are the number one killer of individuals ages 18 to 45. Human trafficking is a major concern for our state. We have had state strike force teams with law enforcement here in our state, and they have interdicted, and they have been able to arrest individuals. 38 charges of human smuggling, 58 charges of drug trafficking, um, this is something that should concern every single Floridian, every single American. And the governor is going to use every tool at his disposal to address this crisis because the federal government and Joe Biden refused to do so.
2: Former President Donald Trump held a rally in Ohio over the weekend. Trump brought up the whole issue of illegal aliens, much like he did when he was campaigning in 2016.
0: Bloodthirsty criminals are laying waste to Democrat run cities. The southern border has been completely erased. We no longer have a border. Think of it, two years ago, we had the strongest border in the history of our country. We no longer have a border. Our country is being invaded. It's an invasion by millions of illegal aliens from all over
2: the planet. He also talked about the condition of the nation as a whole. The
0: choice this November is simple. If you want to continue this national catastrophe, vote for the radical left democrats do it go ahead you won't have a country left if you want to stop the destruction of america and really reinvigorate that good old-fashioned american dream you must vote republican have to do it
2: the founder of Freedom Flyers, Josh Yoder, says that many pilots that are currently operating planes are either doing so under a religious exemption from getting the mandated COVID-19 vaccine or they're vaccine injured and just not letting anyone know. Yoder spoke with New American about what is going on with the scarcity of pilots and many of the flight cancellations.
3: As you've seen with schedules, anyone who's flown over the past six months sees a um, tremendous issue with airline schedules. That comes from, uh, from a variety of reasons. It's not just the, the vaccine injuries. We knew already that between 2020 and 2030, we were gonna have a pilot shortage. In addition to that, you know, when the airlines were financially bleeding during the year of 2020 and COVID, uh, when there were no passengers, they allowed a percentage of their most senior employees to retire early off the top. They miscalculated how quickly travel was gonna come back and also how many people they could train in a, at a given time frame. What they didn't calculate for was the vaccine injuries and, and the increase in long-term um, medical disability claims that we're seeing at the airlines. For example, at American Airlines, Uh, From January of 2022 to July, there was a 300% increase in long term disability claims. Now, the company won't attribute this or the union won't attribute this to vaccine injuries, but you have to ask yourself what changed? You know, what's different, um, you know, this year over the previous years? And I know what we're seeing here uh, lots of different uh, cardiac issues, blood clots, strokes, that type of thing, neurological conditions, things that pilots can't fly with. But we're kind of in a catch-22 here. The pilot doesn't want to come forward because if they do, they lose their flight medical. So you have many people out here flying with medical conditions, hoping that they go away, which ultimately um, it endangers, endangers safety on, on a large scale. And so we're working to try to fill that gap to find solutions. That's really our goal. You know, we, we know what the problem is, so we're working hard to help these people medically, uh, to put them in touch with, with doctors, and natural protocols, and those types of things that, that we know are helping people. And it's making a difference, you know, but we can't stop now because I, I believe this issue is only going to continue to get greater as we, as we uh, go through time.
2: Yoder also gave an update on the legal fights that his organization have been engaged in on behalf of pilots who are against the COVID-19 vaccine mandates.
3: The number one thing we're focused on right now is going after the regulators. So in this case, in the United States, it's the FAA. Had the FAA done their job, this would have never been an issue. Because pilots, for their own rules, aren't allowed to take medications until post-12 months full FDA approval, which we know didn't happen. On December 10th, you know, the emergency use authorization um, came out from the FDA for these jabs. Two days later, the FAA came out and said, you know, they're, they're safe, they're safe, and we encourage all pilots to take them. So the FAA failed, and because of their failure, that allowed the airlines to mandate, which is why we now find ourselves in, these, in, in this position. So we believe that taking down the regulator first and making fundamental changes there uh, will obviously have a trickle-down effect.
2: The Journal of Clinical Medicine is releasing a study that shows cornea transplants are being rejected by recipients, and it's connected to the COVID-19 vaccine. The process is called acute corneal allografts. Researchers in Japan use the information from 23 different studies where patients had the grafting procedure only to see it get rejected within one to six weeks after vaccination. The study shows that even some who have had cornea transplants decades ago are now having their bodies rejected due to systemic inflammation that's caused by the jab. Those affected by this issue range in age from 27 to 83. Normally, cornea transplants are one of the most successful transplants with low rejection rates. It's done to improve vision and reduce eye pain. You're listening to the Daily Detail from 1819 News. Be sure and check out Phil Williams on Right Side Radio as he talks about some things that are going off the rails.
1: If there isn't a new labor deal between freight rail unions and employers, the U.S. economy will be derailed. Um, It goes on to say the effects of this are so prolific that it's hard to even calculate the overall amount of damage that will be done to the U.S. economy. It says a freight rail strike will bring commuter rail services to halt in some areas. And if you've ever lived in some of the major metropolitan areas where people commute in by rail, can you imagine all those being shut down? Well, at that point, no one's going to work. But then you also have to consider how much is carried over the rail, like almost all of our crude oil, natural gas liquids, refined products, petrochemicals, plastics, and then we have to deal with the fact that farmers have to get their goods to market before they spoil. That goes by rail very often. Um, and, it, and it literally says the cost to the U.S. economy is estimated by the U.S. Department of Transportation. That's that's not like some fly-by-night group that says, hey, this is going to be big. No, the U.S. Department of Transportation estimated that a freight rail strike nationwide could cost the economy up to $2 billion a day. It's a billion with a B, all right?
2: You can find more of that podcast at rightsideradio.org. If you're enjoying The Daily Detail and want to get those reports directly to your phone, be sure to go to the main page of The Daily Detail and hit subscribe. You can find that main page either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, or other podcasting apps. I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again tomorrow.